0: For our first message today, we have a split sermon from our pastor, Steve Andrews, entitled Conscience. Mr. Andrews. Well, um, Sean was supposed to be here. He called me about 7.30 this morning, and uh, he said, my stomach isn't feeling too good. (laughs) So I said, hey, stay home. (laughs) Take care of yourself. Definitely don't want any kind of stomach virus, uh, please. So, uh, consequently, uh, coming up with something (coughs) and uh, putting it together. And I was thinking about uh, something called conscience. Merriam-Weather, the Merriam-Webster dictionary says, the part of the mind that makes you aware of your... Actions and being either morally right or wrong. And it has a second part. A feeling that something you have done is morally wrong. So I have to ask myself, what, what's happened in this world to that normal thing called conscience? We see young men, and uh, Miriam pointed out to me that now we even have older men, but young men teens and twenties out-murdering people. I mean, it's even happened as close as right in our backyard. What's driving their conscience to do that? What's driving the conscience of young married women who have gone through all of the things that they have to go through to become a teacher and they get to the point where They have a husband and children, and a teaching career, and they throw it all away for an affair with a 15-year-old boy. There's getting to be a rogues gallery of them now. It's not even just one anymore, or just very rare, but there's a quite a rogues gallery of them. And you can kind of look it up on the internet if you'd like. But I ask, what's happened to the conscience of women? who have gone through all of that, to come to that point in their life when they're giving everything up for that one thing that they do. My mind was thinking demons, drugs, internet, video games. I don't know. But I know something in this world is very much affecting people's minds, people's hearts, and it's causing a great deal Problems.
1: In 1 Timothy, the fourth
0: chapter, I'm going to see if I can read it on the backboard here, if uh, Brian will put it up. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times sh- some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. It's interesting that this is talking about our faith but in a way, it's also talking about the society that we live in today. Because for some reason, the, the conscience of these of, of people has been seared to the point where they don't think it's wrong to do the things that they're doing. They don't think that it's wrong to go and kill somebody. They don't think it's wrong to have an affair with a young boy or a young girl, like some of them have, some of them... Um, or the other way, It's doesn't affect, it affects men and women both. But it's like they've lost all of that natural conscience that keeps them from doing these things that you would think that they would not do. Think of that 20-year-old or that teen, teen, that we, we just, actually they were both teenagers, 18 and 16. And right now they haven't gone to trial, so they're, um, they're um, uh, they have a name for it, but I can't think of it now. But anyway, if they're convicted... If they're convicted, what's going to happen? They're going to spend 50 years of their life locked away. Maybe 60 years of their life, depending on how long they live in that, in that environment. I mean, the most horrible one that we, we remember when we were young was the, uh, Charles Manson. As he, he went in and slaughtered uh, Sharon Tate and some of the, those that were in there. And he's still in jail, and he looks like an old, demon-possessed old man. If you ever look at his eyes, he's an old, demon-possessed old man. And why those women followed him, I have no idea. But but he had no conscience. He still has no conscience. It's like he's been possessed, taken over. There is, in the Bible, quite a few uh, scriptures. And I will uh, try to make this into a split sermon instead of a sermon. Uh, I think that I've I've got a few here, but I I think they'll, they'll work out into a split sermon. At least I hope they do. In Matthew, the 27th chapter, we see uh, this first section I have are, is on the guilty conscience. And of course, we all know what happened to Judas Iscariot as Satan possessed him to do what he did and then left him and he, he was just in a state. In Matthew, the 27th chapter, beginning in verse 1, When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. Now, there was no conscience there either. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, he felt remorse, not enough, and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned, that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is it to us? See, use that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. We know that um, if he had really understood that he would have had repentance and could have, could have come to God and been. And been but this, it, was, it was also prophesied that he would do that. It was, the prophecies were in there. And he had no conscience when it came to to doing this to Jesus we see that it probably it was demon possession that did that to him but <clears throat> the chief priest took the silver pieces and said it's not lawful for for uh, it's not lawful for to pe- put them into the treasury because it it's the price of blood and they took counsel and bought them the potter's field to bury the the strangers in wherefore the field is called the field of blood to this day and so we find that Judas, guilty of the murder of the, um, well, he would be also because he betrayed Jesus and uh, killed himself. In John, the eighth chapter, we find that Jesus has a a young woman. And sometimes I've often wondered about this one. (laughs) This one gives you a kind of a, are these the uh, early warriors? Let's look at verse 4. Chapter 8, John chapter 8, verse 4. They said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. So they were skulking around. They didn't have any cameras or anything, but they were were spying in windows. Who was the... Of course, let's stay with the story here. So let's stay with what's written in the scriptures because we could get off onto some very silly things. But anyway, um, it says... Um, Where was I? I want to make sure the verse. um, Now Moses in in the law commanded verse five us that uh, it should uh, be stoned. But what say you? And uh, they said tempting him that they might have to uh, might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooping down with his finger wrote in the ground as though he heard them not. And so when they continued asking him, he lifted. Up himself and said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast the stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst of them. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said, Woman, Where are those accusers? Has no man condemned you? And she she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So, even though um, she had been caught, she had done the act, Jesus told her to go, but not to sin anymore, but to repent, to change her life, to change her conscience, to change that and he did impress on the conscience of those Pharisees something as he was writing on the ground and they understood that they were also sinners they were guilty in Acts the second chapter we find that the day of Pentecost and we're all very familiar with this I'm not going to go over a lot of it in, in deep detail but we find that Peter, they they preach a very powerful message and it gets into the the hearts of those that are there and they are convicted because of what is said. And so in in verse 37, and this is the only verse I'm going to read because we're very, very familiar. We've read it many times and we're very, very familiar with it. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Their conscience bothered them. As they heard the message, they said, You have killed the, the Master. You have killed the Savior. And they were pricked in their hearts. And they wanted to know what they could do. And of course then, in verse 38, Peter, all those beautiful verses and, and words there, to be baptized and, and, uh, and to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, but to repent first of those sins. And so we see also, and here's one that I didn't give um, Brian, but I'm just going to go ahead and read it. It's in James, the first chapter, and it fits very, very well into this message because there is a process in which the, the conscience gets seared to the point where it's not able to, um, to come out of it. And let's go to James, the first chapter, and I'd like to just read this. I don't know if you'll be able to put it up or not, but it's in verses um, uh, 14 through 15. James, the first chapter 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. James lays it out for us. This is how the, the process goes and how that conscience is destroyed with inside of us. There, <clears throat> the, so every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived it, brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. There, that's the process that happens. And... and for some reason, these people that do these horrible things, they've already seared their conscience to the point where they have no conscience about what they're doing. And they are out there sinning and killing and doing things so, so perverted. In Titus, the first chapter, another one here, just one, one verse. As we look at Titus. Hi, Titus. This is back this way. Titus 1 and verse 15. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving in nothing is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Unto the unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. By rejecting God, by rejecting God's word, they become to the point where they have no moral um, compass in their life. They have no um, morality. They don't know what's right and wrong. And it takes, sometimes it takes a lifetime to to really understand that. But God's Word is what opens that door and helps us to understand what is right, what is wrong. The truth is in the Word of God. The truth is in the Creator and His creation. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, we also see that there's a warning. There's a warning. For if we sin willfully after we have, verse 26, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 26, if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for the judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Maybe there comes a time in which that mind is so seared and so um, bent that there's no repentance that they can seek out. We hope that that's not the case. We hope that when that day comes and judgment comes, that there will be very few that will be rejected and have to face the, the, the fiery furnace. But um, <clears throat> I know that, um, that there are some, and I think there are, uh, quite a few out there that have seared their their, their 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 hearts and their minds so much that they're not able uh, they will not be able to repent and so they will face that um, that final judgment well I want to talk about the faithful conscience because there is a conscience that's faithful to God that's faithful to the word it's faithful to the truth and 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 it's part of our life, and we live by it. In Matthew, the 6th chapter, let's turn to Matthew, the 6th chapter, and there's so much in, in Matthew, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. You could pick a lot of that and talk about it. But in verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. The light of the body is the eye. And, we were, and it's, a, it's metaphorical in a way, because it's, it's saying that, that light takes in the light comes through with the eye, and we we see and receive, and it comes into the brain, and we we, we, we transfer it into something that we understand. It's a it's a very complex um, process, and evolution wants to say that we evolved into that so that we can see, in colors, different um, different perspectives, each individuals. I mean, it's so wonderful. We we see things. Uh, and God has created that. And that light is Jesus Christ that comes into us. That light that came to this earth and was rejected. Because the world wanted and, and desired darkness. And the, the next verse, he says, But if your eye is evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. That's what they wanted. When Christ walked the earth, he was the light that walked on the earth. And they wanted darkness. He said they, they, they don't want the light. They don't want the truth. He says, you're full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness. There is no consciousness of sin, of evil, of those things that we should have consciousness of. And for that matter, maybe that light can't even get into it. I don't know. I leave these things up to, to God to, to work out because sometimes it, it grieves me in my, my spirit to see things especially young men, giving up their life to spend it in jail. When we were doing um, uh, prison ministry, I think I've mentioned this a couple of times, the, uh, the place uh, down there in McAllister is not a place that anyone wants to be a part. It is a very depressing spot to go into. And it seems like that it, there's a, an awful lot of, of demons that walk around in that, and I know they <laughs> probably wouldn't want me saying that, but... It is very depressing to walk into there, and especially um, if you are very aware of that. It it really is, and um, for these these guys to give away their life, which they are, we, which they will have, uh, and I think this uh, that um, uh, the one that dressed up like um, uh, Batman or Joker or something and killed a bunch in that theater down there, they finally convicted him for life. Uh, he was in Colorado, so I think that they didn't uh, they. Uh, decided to just put him away for for the rest of his life. So, anyway, he's also a very young man. He will be spending a very long time in that prison. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 1, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hidden, it is hidden to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them, which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. And that's what we were just talking about. That light, that's Jesus Christ, that light that should be shining in all of men, as being, as just nothing but darkness in some, in some people. In in chapter 5, beginning in verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he has done, whether it be good or it be bad. There is coming a judgment day, and these people need to understand that. There is going to come a judgment day where everyone is going to be judged. And whatever they did, and especially if they never repented of it, they will be judged. And they may have an opportunity to repent of that, But if they do not, we know what that penalty is, eternal death. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men that we are made manifest to God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciousness. We try to help one another to understand these things through the preaching and teaching that we we bring out. And so, it's very important that uh, the truth... Um, and that you understand it. Hebrews 10. Let's look at Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Beginning of verse 21. And having a high priest over the house of God, that's that's our Savior, Jesus Christ, we know that. He says, let us draw near with a pure heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. The more we take in and culprate Jesus Christ and walk in the stature and fullness of him, the more we push that evil conscience out. Bodies washed with pure water. That's the water, washing of the water of the word. It helps to wash away that evil. He says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for, is he, for he is faithful that promised." And let us consider one another to bro- provoke to love and to good works. And he says it here at the last, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, exhorting one another so much more as we see the day approaching. And it's interesting in this, this society and the time that we live in, I think that we see that day approaching because the morality of the world is really, really beginning to, to decay. In First Peter... Just a few pages over. In 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, beginning in in chapter in verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other man's matters. So there's instruction. Paul or Peter is instructing us in in how to act and how not to act. Yet if any man suffers as, as a Christian, let him be not ashamed, but let him glorify God in this, on this behalf. Uh, Jesus said we might suffer persecution. We've been very blessed in, in this nation for, for, for a very long time. Um, founded on Christianity, we, we've lived in a very wonderful society and a very wonderful country. But there seems to be things that are going on now that are, seem to be changing that. And so we may suffer that persecution that is coming on many different Christian believers in the world. For the time has come the judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, verse 18, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him as well uh, in well doing as to a, as to a faithful creator and the very very encouraging thing that Paul wrote and I love to read this every every time I get an opportunity um, finishing up here with this these very wonderful words that Paul left us because these are the things that we need to think on we need to be Focusing on these in, in the times that we live in, praying for the world, praying for the, our nation, praying for um, one another, but also when the, the trials and tribulations come on, getting into our life, we need to, to, to go back to the scriptures and, and, and really think about what is being said there. Because here in verse, uh, verses 7 through 9 of Philippians, the fourth chapter, Paul really gives us some encouragement. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When your heart and mind is on Christ, your conscience is correct. That's what it amounts to. That's what it amounts to. Because Christ was sinless and walked this earth. And it says we're to, to come to the stature and fullness of Christ. We're to live as Christ lived. And, and to show forth that as an example. But he says, finally, brethren, in verse 8, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you.